0: that you may grow thereby.
1: Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and joining me today is Ross Oldenkamp. Hello, uh, Ross Oldenkamp, uh,
2: an evangelist for the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. Happy to be here and also happy to have uh, one of our members join us today, Andy Flotting, who has uh, agreed to join us for our discussion of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to resume from a previous uh, study in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to begin today in verse 17. Ask Andy to read 17 through 20.
0: Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are within him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. You have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell." Okay, I think it's an important point to make is
1: Jesus lived his entire life while the Mosaic Law was in effect. In fact, He taught many things that were not specifically set forth in the law as he was preparing them for the introduction of the law of faith, Romans 3.27, or the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25, the new covenant is what it's talking about. And he often exposed the the fallacies of some of the traditional interpretations of the law. And we know that this led to charges that he advocated breaking the law of Moses or doing away with it, but this obviously was not true. Jesus taught the Jews while he was here on earth that they were to respect and obey the law of Moses, but that they were to understand it correctly.
2: Yeah, great point. Uh, I think that's a good starting point about him being under the law because uh, a lot of times uh, people think of Jesus as though he was above the law. And that, that's how they will read some of the uh, parables and, and the stories. Uh, for example, the the working on the Sabbath. They think, well, as if he was not subject to the Sabbath, he had the right to, to violate it. But no, he was under the law, not above it. And that's important because Galatians 4, verse 3 Says that he was under the law, uh, and and the reason for this is that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might uh, receive the adoption as sons. So he has to fulfill the law perfectly in order to redeem us from the law. Now, it's, I think also important to note that there were at least three bitter confrontations with the Pharisees before this point. In his ministry so that may answer the question why is Jesus even having to address this issue um, uh, as though he is antagonistic to the law there there have always already been questions no doubt as to his his purpose in coming and what he's trying to accomplish but let's let's pursue this question here Um, what about today Uh, has has the law been destroyed I wouldn't say it's been destroyed, but what does the Scripture say about it?
1: It has been fulfilled. The purpose of the law has been served. And that being the case, that which was governing the old has passed away, and we are now under the new covenant. And, and I think that's very important for people to understand that Jesus did not come to destroy the law. But he came to fulfill the law, uh, and until he completed his task not one single, even the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the jot, or even the smallest part of a letter, the tittle, were going to be done away with. Failure to obey or to teach otherwise others not to obey the law would result in condemnation. But again, it had to be properly understood. And I think obedience uh, had to come from a proper motive, unless it was useless, and that a follower of the Lord had to exceed the shallow righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees.
2: Yeah. You know, this text is sometimes used to teach that uh, until the end of time, until this world passes away, uh, even the law of Moses, parts of it are still in effect. I think it's important to note that uh, the phrase till heaven and earth pass away should not be used as a timestamp for when uh, the law is going to no longer be in effect. Uh, because, as you said, I think the phrase until all is fulfilled is your timestamp. That's the duration intended for the law and it was fulfilled uh, by jesus christ i think luke's account uh, gives us a good understanding of this phrase till heaven and earth pass away in chapter 16 verse 17 he says and it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail so when you read in matthew 5 uh, 7 17 uh, heaven and earth pass away. Don't think uh, time stamp or when this is going to happen. Think this is a figure of speech in which Jesus is describing the likelihood of one event over another. In in other words, it would sooner happen that heaven and earth would pass than that one jot or tittle would, would uh, pass from his law.
1: Jesus in verse 21 of Matthew 5 referred to the sixth commandment thou shalt not kill. But then he did something that's very interesting and something that he oftentimes did do. He expanded it and he showed that even the initial stages of unjust anger that leads to such an act is wrong. Unjust anger places a person in danger of the earthly court which is the meaning of judgment. And if it progresses to name-calling Uh, reka, meaning stupid or empty-headed, he stood in danger of the council, and that would have been the Sanhedrin. But if he went so far as to call the individual a fool, which is from moros, a scoundrel, meaning utterly and morally worthless, then he stood in danger of hell. The difference is that the law of Moses taught that the act of committing murder was wrong. Jesus showed that the inward feelings that led to it we're just as wicked.
2: Yeah, so uh, there's actually a few heart issues here. Anger uh, in 21 through 26. Lust in 27 through 30. Uh, all of which I illustrate the problem mentioned in verse 20. That, our, that Jesus wants our righteousness to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He says if it doesn't you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven and that is because their righteousness was one that was outward it was all for show and they they were very concerned about appearances where the inside as Jesus said the inside of the cup was was dirty Uh, they they worried about the outside and these uh, this explanation of Jesus I think really does strike at what even the law of Moses would have intended when it commanded these things. It was not as though Jesus was was giving a new commandment here. These commandments are are a part of of what the law has always been in the mind of God, that we not hate one another in our hearts, uh, that we not lust for uh, other or sinful things in our hearts. God wants our hearts to belong to him
1: you know jesus taught that in wrongs committed among brethren the wrongdoer has the god-given responsibility to go to the one uh, who, who who go to the one that has been sinned against and make that right rectify the situation as a matter of fact so serious is the responsibility to do that that even if the wrongdoer was in the midst of making an offering unto God, he was to stop and go and make the situation right first of all. Jesus continued to teach his lessons in ways that his audience would be able to understand. And he used the metaphor of the civil court as he continued to talk about sins against others. The adversary is the one who has been sinned against. And Jesus illustrated the seriousness of it by showing that failure to reconcile quickly placed one in danger of divine judgment without mercy.
2: Now let's talk about the, the lust uh, passages here. Uh, lust in your heart. Um, I've heard it said that uh, as long as you look but don't touch, or, or even that it's natural or normal for a guy to look uh, and, and lust and admire beauty, uh, and in fact anything that uh, any red-blooded American male does and is right to do. Uh, but Jesus, of course, uh, says even to look with lust in one's heart is uh, makes him guilty of of adultery. And the radical response required of those who uh, have have a propensity to sin in such a way. Uh, I don't know about you, but my life would be very, very different if I were to lose my right my right my right eye or especially my right hand, verse thirty. I'm right handed. I <laughs> everywhere from tying my shoe to buttoning my dress shirt to uh, eating, everything is going to change. And I I bet this is one of those passages that probably is, uh, is overlooked or, or put on the back, back burner uh, when we probably realize, look, there are things in life that cause us to sin, and I may need to take radical steps in order to, to keep that from happening or change some relationships or some habits that I have. And until we're willing to do that,
1: we're not taking very seriously the, the, uh, the warning about hell. I think it's important that we realize Jesus here is not talking about the passing sexual thought that may just fly through your mind, but rather he's talking about lingering upon something, uh, allowing lust to build, uh, while looking at it. I I remember a preacher one time saying you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure enough keep it from building a nest in your hair. I think that's kind of the same idea uh we 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 need to be in control of our thoughts even though there's some that may come immediately to our mind they can be done away with put aside and continue on forward uh the next thing we need to talk about is the subject of marriage divorce and remarriage and uh i think that warrants an episode entirely to itself so we'll go ahead and Bring this one to a close and thank everyone for listening to That You May Grow Thereby today.